comes up. Here comes up. Y'all don't really worry like that. Yeah. Here comes up. This is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about all things SEC. This is 
the beginning of what I like to call the silly season, a.k.a. predictions, conference predictions, conference everything. The next five weeks are going to go over the Power Five conferences, previewing the Power Five conferences as a whole, and also just having a little fun with it, having a little fun with everything that's going on. And so excited to be a part of the Desert Storm family, so excited to be a part of of the Live by Terrence Network as well. But before we get started, you know, I'll, this show is going to be dedicated to a good friend of a good friend of the Live by Terrence show, good friend of of the hip hop community here in 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 uh, in Midwest Georgia in the Columbus area. Uh, we lost one of our own, uh, Jason Monica. If uh, stage name was Psych Patino, uh, we lost him uh, over the past week and. And uh, he was late to rest over the weekend, and um, just he he was a, he was a great guy. Uh, when I first met him, I met him, I met him actually through through the boss lady Monica Brewer, and um, he welcomed he welcomed me into the into the hip hop community in, in Columbus with open arms. It was also with also him Ray Baker. Marquis Wineglass, you know, they welcomed me and Chance both into into their into their world, and and uh, and I I'm forever grateful for that, and I'm forever grateful to 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 Psych and and long live Psych, and you will be missed, and still thinking about you, man, still love you. I mean, he's a young man as well. I mean, only 38 years old, so y'all y'all just. I'm telling you, man, life is life is a, is a precious thing, and we need to take advantage of the of what we can take advantage of. And um, and I and I and I love and I appreciate every one of y'all uh, being a part of it. So that being said, we're gonna jump right into the daily devotion. We're gonna jump right into the devotional, and the devotional is a good one um, for my friends at In Touch Ministries. This one's called No Condemnation, Only Love. And the scripture that we're going to be reading today is from Romans 8, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there is no condemnation for for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from from the law of sin and of death. The Father's love for his children is so vast that we can never fully fathom its extent. God's love is constant, unchanging, and eternal. But sometimes we have emotions that tell us otherwise. In our mind, we frequently correlate divine love and our behavior. When we have been good, we believe that we are loved by God. When we sin or make mistakes, we sometimes question how much he cares for us. After a series of missteps, we we might conclude he disapproves of us far more often than he loves us. Some of us even think that the Lord's judgment hangs over our heads like a dark cloud. The truth is, there is no condemnation for any believer. Everything that would condemn us before the God, Almighty God was placed upon Jesus at the cross. In the Father's divine court of law, his son was found guilty in our place so we can be set free from condemnation forever. 
It's as if God stamped the record of our sin debt, sin debt with the words paid in full. No matter when the offense occurred, whether before salvation or years still in the future, the Christian's transgressions are fully paid for by Jesus' blood. No believer is indebted to God for sin. The Lord does not excuse our sin. He is a heavenly father. He is a loving heavenly father. And he will use discipline to bring us back to godly behavior. He also allows us to experience the consequences of sin. However, divine condemnation is not one of them. You won't open your heart and mind to receive God's love today? Hmm. I, I can't even add nothing else to that. That just that pretty much sums it up. I mean... Hmm. Mm, 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 mm. Wise words, wise words. We're going to take a quick session break. We'll be right back. We're going to jump right into it. Y'all stay tuned.
championship game, but is it a down year for the SEC this year, as people say? No, I, I definitely don't think so, and, and here's my reasons why. I mean, there's a lot of quarterback play coming back. There's a lot of there's a lot of returning players coming back, a lot of returning starters coming back, especially in the East, especially all over the East pretty much, and, and pretty much all over all over the West as well. I mean, but we're going to start with the SEC East. And for me, the SEC East has always been the wild card in the SEC. You know, the, SEC, the, the East has always been not so not as good as it could be, not as good as it should be. But with a lot of the recruits, that, that a lot of the coaching changes and a lot of the the recruiting landscape has changed a little bit, especially in the SEC East, where you're starting to see pipelines from certain high schools to certain school to certain SEC schools and ACC schools, what have you. One of those schools is Florida. Florida is getting they're getting better and better. The recruiting talent that they have this year they didn't get many five star recruits. They didn't get many many good athletes. But what they did get was solid, solid depth. And they played a lot of players last year. And they also got a graduate transfer in Malik Malik Zaire from from Notre Dame. You know, we're going to look at quarterback play from Florida. We're going to look at quarterback play from Georgia. I mean, the questions are, will there be an SEC East team that can beat the SEC West in, in the SEC championship game? You know, that's yet to be seen. We'll we'll talk about that later. But the SEC East, again, like I said, this, this, is, this is probably – it's not a crapshoot, but it's going to be a three-horse race this year. Media Days was, was last week. The SEC Media Days was last week. And the SEC, the, the writers in the SEC, the AP, all picked Georgia over Florida. And I like – 
I like a lot of things about Georgia. I love a lot of things about about Florida. I love a lot of things about South Carolina. I think South Carolina is going to be that dark horse in the, in the East this year with a lot of players coming back. But, you know, Jake Bentley becoming a, becoming a leader. Um, you know, young players that are, that have come in that are probably going to play early, like the D'Angelo Gibbs, like the um, and players like that. I mean, we're going to see a lot of players come in and play very often at South Carolina. But let's just let's just I'm just going to keep it super simple. Bandy's going to be a tough out this year, but can they break through and be the top four and beat that crossover team that they have from the West this year? It's going to be very hard for Vandy to get back to being 500. But I think they may have an easier road to get to 500, to get to 500, get to six wins, get to the bowl game. I think they're much improved than they were last year. I mean, Coach, I mean, coach, the coaches, the coaching staff at Vanderbilt, it, they've got something good going there. And you know, for me, when you look at when you look at Vandy and everything, Derek Mason, his third year, you can see the progression from year to year to year. How they've grown, how they've how they've looked in in in, in games. You know, they don't quit attitude. The Auburn game, especially where. Auburn game last year, where you see the team galvanized. They, they were galvanized in a loss. And why? What I mean by that is, they just they. There was a bit of a. There was a lot of togetherness in that team. It was a team effort, and it was it was very close to being. To me, they were this close to being. From a six-win team to an eight-win team, I mean that—that—that's what I say about Vandy. Vandy cleans up some things. Yes, will they be as good as they were under James Franklin? Probably not. The recruits coming in there—they got some really good recruits. They recruited Georgia very well. They really did. Um, some of the players they got got to come to got to come, that they had to sign. They got signed, you know. Probably going to end up getting a quarterback in the next year. In the next year, next year cycle. Um, I know they're going to go hard after after the Heritage quarterback. Um, pretty, they're going to go pretty hard after the Heritage quarterback. They're going to go hard in the state for for some quarterbacks as well. This is not this is not your mama's Vandy team. This is this is the Vandy team that that's really close to being. That second tier, that second tier SEC school, they're they're that close. If they can keep it together, build that, build build around the school, even with the academic limitations that they have, this is this is a school that traditionally underachieves, but sometimes can can rise up and overachieve. So, I mean, let's look at their record over the last 10 years or over the last five years. The last five years, they've, they've gone 26 and, 26 and 27 in the last five years. I mean, what 
I mean, that's the best stretch for any vendor. I'm sorry, 31 and 32. Sorry, 31 and 32. Over five-year stretch. What bandy team do you know has even come that close to being that type of team? You haven't seen that bandy team. Can we see Vandy make it to the next level? I can see it happening. I can see Derek Mason moving them, moving them towards that situation. But can they pull off upsets? I mean, they got favorable schedule. October 7th, you know, they got Georgia at home, the homecoming. They have Kentucky at home, Missouri at home. You know, they have Alabama at home. They've got some winnable games at home as well, you know. Got some winnable games at home. Missouri, Kentucky, Western Kentucky. I mean, then they have tough road games. They go to Florida this year. They go to South Carolina. They go to Ole Miss. And it's a crossover game. So, when you look at Vandy's schedule, can Vandy not finish at the bottom of the SEC, NAC slider? I would say I would say so. Do I forecast them to have a have a six a six win season like they did last year? They've got to win they've got to pull a win out of the hat on the road. At least one of the wins on the road. They've got K State at home, they've got Alabama and them on at home, Western Kentucky, a high tame Western Kentucky team. I mean, this is this is a good Vandy team, and they're returning a lot of starters on both sides of the ball. You know, sixteen, you know, seven, fifteen starters on that on that team. Both specialists are coming back, and you've got some other players that are coming in, like Isaiah Jones, who who mentioned it last year, who could play and could play early. I mean, so we're looking at a good Vandy team with a lot of depth. A lot of depth and a lot of a lot of players that played last year that are coming back into the fold. So I, I see Vandy. I see Vandy winning winning six games, seven if they can pull off upsets. I can see them, you know, possibly getting getting a win at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is going to be down this year with the scholarship limitations. So. I like Vandy's schedule. It's a favorable schedule. Even though they have Alabama, Georgia, even though they have Bama and Georgia at home, and on the road to Florida and on and on the road at Tennessee to end the season, they still got a favorable schedule. They still can possibly win some games here and there. I can see it happening. Missouri, Missouri should be much improved. Drew Locke is one of those guys. If this Missouri team was a Missouri team of two, three years ago under Gary Pinkle and not under first-year coach uh, Barry Odom, I can see this team winning six, seven games. Do I see them winning five, six games this year? Again, we're looking at we're looking at Missouri as a possible. I can see Missouri being a dark horse in the, in the East, but they, they need some things to go their way. I mean, they got a favorable schedule. They're at home. 
their first their first four games are at home. You know, you got South Carolina coming in on September 9th. You got Auburn coming in on September 23rd. And you have a home date with Purdue out of the Big Ten with the new head coach. We'll talk about the Big Ten next week and what I think about well, I, what I think about Purdue and and, and what they what the changes that they made there, but Missouri's offense, Missouri, I mean, they got caught, you know, in transition last year, and new president, new athletic director, Gary Pinkle re- retiring um, altogether. You know, this is a good team, you know, last year, numbers-wise. Drew Locke threw over, threw over 3,500 yards. Um, you had a 1,000-yard rusher. You almost had another rusher, uh, you know, had over almost 800 yards, had 750 yards. So you look at you look at what they did offensively, even though it was kind of an anemic thing offensively last year where – they didn't score as many points per game as they had been in the last in the last few years. Um, a lot of people think that last year's four and eight record was not indicative of what the what the what the play was. And to me, it it's very true because they played Georgia tough. They were in it with Florida. And then they lost, and the wheels fell off. Middle, you know, you play Middle Tennessee, and you look lethargic defensively. South Carolina, you know, you were in that game. Kentucky, you were in that game. You know, you beat Vandy, you lose to Tennessee late, and you beat Arkansas to end the season. Two, you know, you had two two wins in the last three games. You finished on the up note, but can you keep that momentum going? Now that you have some stability in not only in your in your athletic director's office and not only in your president and chancellor, this is the Missouri team that has steadied the ship. Do I think that translates on the field this year? I, I'd say that year away. But Drew Locke is a guy that could that can probably do some great things. They've got a lot of people coming back on the offense, so the offense is going to carry the day for for Missouri in that in that sense. Will Missouri Missouri will probably throw for about three thousand? They're going to do some good things. They're going to have they got receivers coming back. They got quarterbacks coming back. They have they have two running backs that are both both running backs are back. You know, so you're looking at. You're looking at a real good Missouri offense, but you don't know what you're going to get defensively. I mean, last year that I mean last year they were offensively they scored over 30 points a game. Last year, last year they gave up 31 points a game. So if they clean up some of the messes that they that they have offensively, I mean, I'm sorry, defensively, as they do, as, you know, as they did, as good as they did. Offensively and as bad as they did defensively, they can right the ship and get a fifty-fifty balance between the both the offense and the defense. Then you're gonna see you're gonna see something good come out of Missouri, Kentucky. 
A lot of people talk about Kentucky. A lot of people talk about how they could be a dark horse, how they could how, how they could possibly win a couple, win some big games. Do I think they can win some big games? I, I, I would say so. I mean, they're at Southern Miss to open the season. They, they're at Southern Miss, they're at South Carolina, you know. Then they go, then they're home to Florida, then they're home to Missouri. You know, that, that right there, three, you got three conference matchups from mid-September to the first week in October. And those are some, these are big matchups. Do I think? That Kentucky can, can Kentucky do some of the things they did last year? Sure, they can, but they've got to get better. They've got to get better quarterback play. Of course, they they did lose a quarterback early last year in Drew Barker. Steven Johnson came in and played played pretty well. Played pretty well, considering the fact that you know he wore, he he didn't know the offense as good as as Drew Barker did as, as Barker did. You know, they put a lot on Barker, they they made him the face of the of the of the football team and he goes down with a back injury and missed the rest of the year. So, I mean, this is a this is where guys like Benny Snell, Saeed King, AJ Rose can be that big that big, big player, that big playmaker. Also with, with Benny Snell as well. I mean, you got speed bats, you got a power bat, you know, and you got a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield in Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky, can they pull off? Can they pull off some upsets? Yes, they got some great recruits coming in as well. They got some really good recruits coming in. Um, Joshua Lee, who was a three-star, was a three-star receiver. Um, Nasir Watkins, who who could possibly play early. Um, Isaiah Epps is another guy who could possibly play early. Looking at their recruits, I mean, very highly talented guys. Got some got some good players coming in spring. They got like six players that came in spring, and it and then you got a couple of transfers come came in as well. So we're looking at Kentucky. We're looking at. Looking at Kentucky, Missouri, they, that little quagmire toward the bottom. And Missouri, Kentucky, South Carolina, Vandy, Missouri, Kentucky, Vandy, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of these schools winning seven, eight games this year. Kentucky has has a favorable schedule. They've got a lot of home, they got home games against Florida, home games against Missouri, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. But they have to go to Vandy. They have to go to Georgia. Those are. I don't know about Georgia being a winnable game, but Vandy's a winnable game on the road. Mississippi State can be a winnable game on the road. South Carolina is going to be a tough out. But do I think that they can win against against South Carolina? They did it last year, and they did it with great defense last year. A lot of players coming back from for Kentucky this year. Eight eight starters in the, from the offense, eight starters on the defense, and you've got both specialists coming back. So, 18 players, over 30 players that have played last year, and then you have two quarterbacks that you can really depend on in both Steven Johnson and Drew Barker. So, 
this is what this is this is a healthy competition that you have at Kentucky. What you have at Kentucky and what you have what you have at Missouri, you have similar offenses, similar ways they do defensively. I mean, can can both Missouri and Kentucky improve defensively? Yes. Will they improve defensively? Of course. I mean, Missouri's still going to be young defensively. I mean, they're going to be playing a lot of – they're going to be playing some upperclassmen, but they haven't had the playing time. You know, and there was a sense of optimism around around Missouri in the springtime, watching the spring game again like I did a few nights ago. This could be a really – like I said, Kentucky, Missouri – Kentucky, Missouri, Vandy, these are three schools that could possibly be the the three best schools in the East, not the two two of these three schools will make will make bowl games and the other one will be will be left out. And it's it's gonna be really sad to see that. But at the same time, it's gonna be really interesting to see what kind of play you're going to see with those three teams when they play each other. And they all play each other within a five-week span. So um, Kentucky plays Vandy on November 11th, and Missouri plays Vandy on the 18th. <laughs> so, you know, two-week span, I mean, these three teams are going to play each other. And it might it, it might well be for that uh, that last that last uh, bowl, bowl spot in the SEC, for the SEC. So, I mean, so this is gonna be this is gonna be an interesting it's gonna be an interesting few weeks for for Kentucky. It's gonna be an interesting few last few weeks for Missouri, and also interesting last few weeks for for Vandy. But you know, quarterback play is gonna be very very like I said, quarterback play is gonna be very 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 important for all three of these schools. Drew Lock, I think, could could be that breakthrough player. I think him. Him possibly flirting with the draft this year, um, if he has a big year like he did last year, uh, over three thousand, over like I said, over three thousand yards passing. I mean, you got some, you got like I said, you got some really good players coming in. Um, Malik Young is a guy, is a guy I've seen play uh, from Marietta High School. Um, Case Cook is another guy I've seen play uh, from Carrollton High School, Carrollton, Georgia. Um, so I mean, and Walter Palmore, who who uh, is a guy who Walter Palmore is a guy who who is from the Columbus area. So I mean that I've seen play I've seen play a few times. So these are these are some really good good players and. I'm I'm really excited to see what's going to happen, you know, this season and with those with those with those players. We're going to take a quick station. We're going we're going to talk more about about the SEC East uh, in just a few seconds. We're going to take a quick session break. We'll be right back, and we're going to talk about the top the top four teams in the SEC. East. So y'all stay tuned.
glory, glory to old Georgia. Heroes have graced the field before you. Men with hearts, bodies, and minds of which the entire Bulldog Nation can be justifiably proud. The tradition of unbridled excellence demonstrated by these individuals and many others spans more than a full century. Couple years ago, so 
step in Jake Bentley, who skipped his senior senior year in high school, um, to come and play for to come and play at South Carolina to roll at South Carolina. His father Bobby, who is a legendary coach in the state of South Carolina, um, it is very very good. It's gonna be very very difficult. I mean. The offense was anemic last year. Let's just let's just call it what it was. The offense was anemic last year, but the players that they got this year coming in, I, you know, and I always get these two confused. But Jamias Williams coming in, um, former former Archer former Archer player, former Grayson football player, um, coming in. MJ Webb coming in, um, who I've seen, Aaron Sterling coming in, um, who I've seen play as well. I mean, these are some really good players that that South Carolina got. And like I said, the pipeline from Georgia to South Carolina is is is, is real. I mean I mean this this is this is real. And you got some players that are probably going to end up playing really early, like Jamias Williams. Jamias Williams, who I know is going to end up playing early. Keyshawn Nixon, who's a, who's a JC transfer, will fit in great. He can play either he can play either cornerback or he can play he can play safety, and he's a ball. ball. So uh, actually got to see him play. He's he's from the Compton area. He played at um <coughs> excuse me, played at Dorsey High School. So. So this is a guy who who actually know, who actually can play. He plays very very well. And um, you know, offensively they're gonna they were, they were very anemic last year. They only averaged they were last in the conference, 116th over in the nation in scoring the offense. They they were horrible running the ball. They were okay passing the ball, especially when Jake Bentley got in there. Jake Bentley throws a pretty ball. So. We're looking at looking at Jake Bentley, who just t- who just took over the offense. And one of the great quotes that he had in at media at the media day was, "He's learning to be a quarterback." Which, if you listen to what he meant by that, was he's learning to be a vocal leader in in the quarterback room. He's learning. He's learning the quarterback position, not from the physical standpoint. Because that all the physical tools. He's got all the tools. I mean, no doubt about that. You know, six four two twenty five. I mean, he's probably. I mean, when I when I saw him in high school, the kid probably about six. The kid was probably about two forty, and he he's special because he can run as well. He's got some pretty good feet. Is he the best quarterback in the SEC East? Probably so, but you know, with like I said, with with the addition with the addition of Malik Bayer at Florida, I mean, give this team some extra credibility. So, sophomore Jake Bentley, can he be that difference maker on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, you've got some really good players in that team. Michael Skarnakia, um, who is a guy that um, a good friend of mine. Um, <coughs> Scott Smith helped get to South Carolina. Um, 
and uh, shout out to Scott Smith and Streetlight Recruiting. Uh, put together another big year last year, recruiting wise, and they're doing he's doing some big things again this year. So hopefully we'll have him on the show next week, and and we'll be talking more we'll be talking more college football next week as well. Um, but looking at looking at defense wise, we look at the defense. The defense wasn't horrible, but they were in the bottom half of every of every category in the SEC, and that's not like South Carolina or Will Muschamp uh, defense. And I think he's starting to get the players that he wants in there. I mean, he's getting six players back, you know, from that team last year. Ten players on the offensive side of the ball. So this this is a good, good South Carolina team that could make some headwaves. Do I think that they'll do I think that they'll be be that seven eight win team? No, but they'll put some they'll put some fear into some hearts. I think I really think they will. Um, <coughs> excuse me, favorable schedule as well. I mean, you're home to Kentucky, you're home to Arkansas, your crossover game, you're home to Florida. You end the season at home with Clemson. So, and we'll be talking more about Clemson next week. So. Um, but big games on the road at Tennessee, at Georgia, at A and M, at Missouri. I mean, those these are, those are some really tough matchups. They've got to win the home game. They've got to win the home games, and they've got they've got to get something on the road in the SEC to make themselves be very credible and. If they can get a win over over an A and M on September thirtieth, a win over Kentucky. Again, this is a good, good, good. This is a good South Carolina team with a lot of young players coming back that are starting to get themselves together. They look really good offensively. You know, they're going to be replacing the kicker, but Alex Wozniak is a pretty good guy at. We're pretty good kicker. Uh, Watch some kick coming in. But do I think South Carolina has a chance to win the East? They've got a snowball chance, but they've got to win games. They've got to win the games that are most important to them. You know, they've got to get to that six-win mark here. Do I think that they'll that they'll make it to a bowl game this year? I think they will. I think they'll win six games. I think they could win eight. If the ball rolls right for, rolls right for them, but I, I see them being a six a six win team, uh, seven wins, eight wins. Like I said, you know, if, if the ball rolls. So we're looking at at that. They've got to establish quarterback. They've got they've got to find answers on defense. And if they find the answers on defense, this could be a team that could be a dark horse. That could be that team that's on that's on the rise. I just put it that way. Uh, another, another really good. I mean, we're looking uh, uh, look at look at another team that that I think that these teams here are probably going to be your contenders in the East. And let's start with Tennessee. Tennessee, <coughs> excuse me, they bring back five starters on the on the offensive side of the ball. Some players that have played. 
but they lost. They lose a Jalen Hurt. They lose. Uh, they lose their quarterback uh, last year. In they lose their quarterback last year, Joshua Dobbs, who who did just great things all over the field for for Tennessee in, in the last four years there. Um, he's out. He's off to the NFL. Now you have a three horse race at quarterback, and you know a guy like Jared Guarantano, who's a, who's a true dual threat quarterback, a Quentin Dormady, who is a who is a true pocket quarterback, and also, um, you know, who are two two true quarterbacks. You know, Dorm, Dormady, six four twenty six six four two sixteen guy. He's from the state of Texas. Um, and then Guantano, who sits for really mobile, got an electric arm. It's got, I mean, I, I, I say he's got an electric arm. And reading, then reading Athlon Sports just now, they said the same thing that I said about him. He's got an electric arm, but he's got he's he's got speed to burn as as a as a quarterback. He's a true dual threat quarterback. Does he fit better in the spread system for Tennessee? And Dormany does. Well, with the receivers that they have, with Marquise Call- with the Marquise Call- McQuaid's Callaways, the Tyler Birds, Jawan Jennings, those guys, speed receivers, I think Dormandy would be the better fit. But you look at a guy like Gorantano, who, like I said, has a big arm, <clears throat> likes to run. Who likes to get out? Likes to get out on the edge and run and 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 move and move the pocket a little bit. This could be better for Tennessee, in a sense, because Gorantano he he suits the system better. But Dormady has a bigger arm, and he he's a pocket passer who's going to sit in the pocket and take the hits as they come. So that's that's part of why I think I think Dormandy will win the will win the competition and will be that opening night starter against Georgia Tech. But do not count out Jared Quarantano. Jared Quarantano is, is a is a league level quarterback of two years ago who can ball. He can ball out. He he will ball out. And so we we're we're gonna be looking at two guys who can who can really just ball out and play ball. You know, so it's gonna be re- it's gonna be really interesting to see what you what you have and how and how and how you're gonna play the game. Uh, you're gonna be breaking in the new you're gonna be breaking in some running backs who did not get runs, who who ran a little bit last year, but did not get the running like like John Kelly did, or Tyler you know like John Kelly did. I mean, who was the second leading rusher on the team after Alvin Kamara, who was. Um, just a multi-dimensional guy. You, know, you lose him. You lose Joshua Dobbs. You lose Jalen Hurt. You know that hurts. That hurts you offensively because those are your two big guys. But at the same time, you lose a Jalen Hurt to Baylor, who um, he he got. You know it did, doesn't really hurt you from that standpoint, but. It hurts you because he's a guy who was a veteran guy in the locker room. I mean, you got John Kelly, who's played a lot in the last two years, could be just as good. And 
food could be just as good, if not better, than who could not be just as good, if not better than Jalen Hurd. Could be a better fit in the offense than Jalen Hurd was. I mean, Jalen Hurd was a big back, six four and some change, two forty. So, I mean, he's a little. This is a, this is a big guy. You know, about about five eleven, about two twenty. You know, heck of a run between the tackles. But you also have a guy like Colin Fields, Aim, who again fills that Alvin Kamara type position. Who you can, you can spread him out. He's he's a guy, you know, very strong, uh, but unproven. Ty Chandler is one of those guys who could be a just big time player for for Tennessee. But again. It's just, it's going to be very 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 difficult to find out what we're going to see with Tennessee. Tennessee, do I think can win? Can win games? Again, you look at their schedule. I mean, they've got big games on the road left and right. I mean, they've got they've got to go to Florida. They've got to go to Alabama. They've got Alabama and Kentucky on the road, and they also have to go to Missouri. And Missouri is not not a and Missouri is not a tough out at home. Missouri is a tough out at home. So, I mean, you got you got four very challenging games in the SEC on the road. And then you have you, your crossover game is, is LSU this year. And, of course, your traditional game against against Alabama um, third Saturday in October. So, you look at – you look at Tennessee's schedule, do I think – does that schedule – is that schedule indicative of getting eight, nine wins? It's a definite possibility to get eight nine wins. It's definite. It's a definite possibility. Do I think they can get ten wins? It's going to be very difficult to get ten wins. I can see eight wins. I can see. I can see eight wins. I can see. I can possibly see nine wins. But they've gotten to pull a rabbit out of the hat for that ninth win. So, I think they'll go eight and four. I think they'll go five and three in the league. I also think that they'll. Uh, they, they a lot of people think four and four will be will be great for them in the league. I think five and three would be good, um, in the league. I think they lose at Georgia Tech at the beginning of the season. I, I really do. I think I think Georgia Tech upsets them. So, but then you've got some you've got some games against Indiana State, against UMass, against <laughs> uh, against a, a really good. You know, like I said, really good Southern Miss team. So, these these are two schools that could probably these are, these are winnable games. Like I said, eight eight wins, nine nine if the ball rolls right, rolls right, maybe ten if they can pull an upset or cause some turnovers against against um, they cause some turnovers against. Against Alabama or, and or LSU, so it's gonna be like I said, it's gonna be a tough out for them. It's gonna be a very tough out, very very tough out. Uh, moving on, you know we we talked about we haven't talked about Florida, we haven't talked about Georgia. Here here's my here's my position. Here here's my thing right here. The win I think the winner of the SEC East comes out of these two teams. I think. The matchup on on October twenty eighth between Florida and Georgia will be will be that decisive game for for the SEC East. I really do. Uh, Jim McElwain has done some has done some excellent things at 
at Florida since she's come over from from Colorado State. Um, you know, you look at you look at him two two in two years. You know, two ACC championships. You know, you, two losses to Florida, two losses to Alabama. Um, one an embarrassing loss. The the one the year before. You know, not so much. I mean, you got a lot of players coming back on this team. A lot of players that have played, have played, had some playing time, but you got nine starters. You got nine starters on this team, and then you add in the Malik Zaire effect. Malik Zaire is coming from Notre Dame, who who runs a who runs a spread offense. He's coming to a team that runs like a who runs a traditional <coughs> pro style West Coast offense. So does his does his skill set? Fits in with the Florida skill set. Of course it does. We all thought that Chris Leak that Chris Leak would not fit into the system. And what did he do? He became the all-time leading passer in the history of in the history of Florida football. You know, surpassing Danny Ruffalo and St. Matthews, and winning a national championship on top of that. So I mean, we're looking at looking at Florida. You know, with Felipe Franks coming in and stepping stepping his game up as well as he did in the spring uh, over over Kyle Trask, who had the who had the upper hand on him the spring before. So we're looking at we're looking at what, three quarterbacks, Felipe Franks, who I don't who, who a lot of people think may not be ready to take over. The starting role yet, but you look at Malik Zaire, who can step in and can play right right off. This is going to be a better team. This is going to be a better Florida team than people think. Great offense, great defense. You know they're kind of anemic on the offensive side of the ball because of the injuries that they had that they had on offense. Um, they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough running game. The running game wasn't wasn't enough for them. And and then you had. Luke Dario go down with the shoulder injury. Then you had Austin Appleby come in, who was a who was a, um, a graduate transfer from Purdue, uh, come in. He did some good things. He did some great things actually. Uh, actually got himself um, actually got himself an invite to to a camp. So I mean, you're looking at you're looking at what Appleby has done. You're looking at what at what Luke Dario has done, and you pretty much because of the injury and because of you know Austin Appleby being just a one-year guy, you didn't have a chance to really develop the guy, to develop the Felipe Franks or the Kyle Trask to be that guy to bring in and be the guy. So that that's where that's where a lot of the disconnect comes from in in the Florida in the Florida offense. But when you have a guy like Malik Zaire that comes in. Again, you look at you look at what Zaire has done over the past few years at at Notre Dame before the injury, before um, before Deshaun Kaiser came in and, and became the guy. This is this is this is what Malik Zaire can do. He can actually fit into this offense, and I think he'll fit into this offense very well. What I think about Florida in, the, in this regard, a lot of people think. Eight wins, 
I'm looking at that schedule. I see them playing Michigan, the you know Michigan in in Arlington, you know, home that against Northern Colorado, which is a money game for Northern Colorado. Then you know traditional third week game against Tennessee, and they'll be looking to avenge that loss against Tennessee, where they gave up a twenty eight to seven lead, and so. You know that that's that's going to be a big game. Then you're at Kentucky. Then you're Vanderbilt. You know you got Vanderbilt and LSU at home along with Texas A&M. So you're running the gauntlet of games from September from I mean September 20th from September 16th from week three to week seven. Well, it's week eight, Missouri, because you're at Missouri. And again, like I said about Missouri in, in earlier. Missouri is a tough out at home. So we don't – you don't really know what you're going to get from Missouri. Florida, can they win eight, nine games this year? I think they can win nine games. I think, you know, a lot of people project them to win nine ga- and win eight games. I think they can win nine games. I think they can win – I think they'll – I think they'll win nine games this year. Maybe eight games. I mean, that Michigan that Michigan game is going to be a tough game. We'll talk about Michigan in it, in it coming up in the next couple of weeks. You know, but we're looking at looking at Florida. I mean, offensively, this is not this is not a Jim McElwain type offense that that he has on the field right now. Um, he, like I said, the quarterback play really hurt really hurt him. Then he didn't have me. Then he didn't have the depth at running back like he wanted to, um, like like he wanted to. So, this, again, this is a school. This is a Florida team that can that can win games. Nine wins, ten, nine wins, nine wins is not not out of the realm of possibility. Ten wins is not out of the realm of possibility. Do I think any team in the East will, will have nine ten wins? It's gonna be very hard. It's going to be very hard, especially with the crossover games that they have. I mean, I mean, especially with the crossover games. I mean, you you look at look at A and M, you look at LSU. I mean, LSU is a traditional crossover game, and then you got A and M on the schedule this year. So it's it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult, very very difficult. But I think if they get quarterback play. Adam Malik Zaire, and they develop and they develop one of the other quarterbacks, whether it's Felipe Franks or Kyle Trask, just in case Zaire goes down with an injury, God forbid. This could be the year that Florida wins division championship number three. But alas, look at Georgia. Jacob Beeson has been named the starter at Georgia. But you look at what he's lost this year. He lost to Isaiah McKenzie. But he also gained a guy back by the name of Nick Chubb. He's also gained a guy back by the name of Sonny Michelle. So we look at Georgia at the same point. And we see what Georgia we see what Georgia can do. When Georgia is on and they have good players. I mean, 
the rushing, the rushing was there. The passing, passing wasn't. And but the thing about the passing game was is this: you had a lot of drop balls, a lot of catchable balls that were just dropped. And then you had inexperience at quarterback, at quarterback, which which made things a little bit different, difficult. So, do I think Georgia has a chance to win ten games? Of course they have a chance to win ten games. Of course they have a chance to to shock the world and and beat and beat the likes of and beat the likes of of um, South Carolina. Kentucky, I mean, Mississippi State. I mean, that's who they have on their schedule this year. And they got Notre Dame on their schedule November 9th. And here's the thing. The Notre Dame game is, is big for I, – I think the Notre Dame game for Georgia is that litmus test that they need before they go into conference play. And here, here's my reasoning why I say this. Because you're going to play a really good – Appalachian State team first game of the season. And a Scott Satterfield Appalachian State team, well-coached, well-played team. I mean, they took Tennessee to the brink last year. So we know what what, what Apps can do. I mean, Apps has won the share of the Sun Belt Conference, you know, a couple years, you know, two of the last three years. They didn't win it last year. But we're looking at a good app team. You're looking at a team in Notre Dame who's looking to redeem itself. We're also looking we're looking at a guy like Jacob Easton who is going to step up his game this year. I think he's going to have a good year. Do I think he's going to be that breakout player? I'll talk about that in just a few moments. I'll talk about that a little later on. But Georgia, Florida, I think – with, with the recruits that Georgia brought in, the Jake Fromms, the original accounts, um, Isaiah Wilson, D'Angelo Gibbs, uh, again, again, who, who we just talked about, Lawrence Bill of <clears throat> Lawrence Bill, you Mark Webb, Jeremiah Holland. I mean, Robert B. Like I said, Robert Bill of of uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia. You know, I mean, these are good. These are some good players. They come in. Um, good players are coming in, and good players are playing play early. And you know, with the number of players they got coming in, the Isaac Nauders, the Jeb Blazeviches, and and um, Charlie Warners, I mean, you've got three tight ends that have played, you know. So, you know, where you see you've only got five starters coming back, but there's there's about 20 players on that offense, about 10 or 12 players in that offense that have played played a lot last year. Nick Chubb looked like he, he looked like a brand new player out there. After that, after that devastating knee injury, so Jacob Eason getting pushed by Jake Fromm, you know, and then they're about to get some other quarterbacks to come in next year, possibly Justin Fields, possibly, um, 
possibly a Jaron Williams who decommitted from Kentucky yet again. So we're looking at a lot of players who who are possibly looking at we're looking at down the road. Matt Corral has also talked about visiting Georgia, um, Georgia for the Mississippi State game, and hopefully, you know, we get a California kid like like Matt Corral come in. This is this is a good this is gonna be a good Georgia team, and you know, the, like I said, the amount of players that they have coming back is unlike any other, unlike any other, and Jim Chaney. Getting back to getting back, you know, a guy like a Jacob Eason to run his offense. Oh boy, do I think Jacob Eason can can possibly throw for three thousand yards? I think he'll throw for thirty five hundred yards. I think he'll throw over thirty touchdowns. I think guys like Terry Godwin, Javon Williams, Riley Ridley, uh, Jason Stanley, who played a lot last year. Isaac Knott is gonna get gonna get some gonna get some some throws at him. Jeb Blazovich. Again, Charlie Warner, who's probably got the better hands of the three tight ends. And then you have Nick Chubb out of the backfield and you have Sonny Michelle out of the backfield who can catch the ball as well. This is this is gonna be a scary Georgia team. Is this the only team I see that could possibly win ten games? This is the only Georgia team this is the only team out of SEC East that I think that could even beat Alabama this year if Alabama falters. This, that that's just how deep this Georgia team is. Do I think they'll win ten games? I think they'll win ten games. Eleven's gonna be very tough. Nine's gonna be nine nine wins could will, will be the, the benchmark for any team in the in the East. But Georgia, looking at what looking at what they brought in, looking at what they've got coming back, and looking at the players that I've seen from the state of Georgia that they they brought in, like the Notorious Johnson, like the like I said again the Robert Bills, the Jeremiah Holloman, the Jake Fromm, um, Richard Accounts, you know, again those are those are players like I said, gonna play and play early, and mixed in with the players that that played early last year. And the veteran players they have, this is a Georgia team that I think will will win the East, will win the East, and possibly win ten games. And I'll just put it that way. We're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna we're gonna talk SEC West, and it's gonna be some very interesting, some very interesting things I say about the West. Y'all stay tuned. I feel you're someone that's not only concerned with what's happening right now, but with your legacy as well. Um, what is the legacy that you're looking to leave behind? That I changed the world and I have fun doing it. Veronica, we all got dreams. I keep a rolling because we all got dreams. Hey, I keep a rolling because we all got dreams. I keep a rolling because we all got dreams. Right, I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Yeah, I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got 
y'all. The way I see it, it's only me and my team. Motivated by pictures of places I've never been. It's gonna leave the city and searching some better things. My fam and a couple dollars, that's all that's left in my jeans. Ain't accepted by nothing, we gunning by any means. Wide awake on the surface inside, I'm living this dream. Of going city to city with stories of what I've seen. Lost in the translation, the mind of a human being. I'm riding on life's pavement and trying to find what it means. Fighting for something stronger than bottles of Jimmy Bean. Study the moves of legends from Bob Marley to Queens. But drawing my inspiration from Rage Against the Machine. Sawn as a motivation and fueling my self-esteem. Could have been stationary instead on stations I scheme. Brought myself on a road to becoming something I've seen. It's just the sound of a gentleman getting after his dreams. Run it. <laughs> Run it booth right now. Run it. Run it. Tell C you're gonna have to turn that loud down. <laughs> uh. Uh. What? Gentlemen again after his dream. Run it. Dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Boy, I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep it rolling cause we all got dreams. Yeah, I keep it rolling cause we all got. I keep it rolling cause we all got. Let's take it back to 09. Walking for Arizona's cause none of us have rides Simple minus some stoners, we got nothing but time Now don't it sound bad? I'm talking back when Cuddy was the soundtrack Pursue the happiness playing, just let it breathe I'm kicking back with my people, I swear it's all that I need Endless vibe on a planet of simply being at ease Started searching for freedom and ended up in the trees I say it is nothing hardly that's replicating in a field Party until the AM with rhythm turning the wheels The trials of adolescence, they hella sacred for real From the way that I'm feeling, it's like I'm living, I'm still We born to carry the mission, carrying our tradition Introducing what's missing, and young minds that are lifted I throw myself on the road of living by higher means This just the sound of me getting after my dreams, run it
DesertStormRadio.com, your global DJ network, brought to you by the world-famous DJ Clue. Tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. We're going to talk some SEC West now, man. I just put it like this. SEC West, top to bottom, 
all seven teams will make it to the will make it to bowl games this year. There ain't no doubt about it in my mind, except for the likes of a possibility that Ole Miss, since Ole Miss can't is uh, ineligible. I mean, you know, six of the seven teams will be will be in the um, SEC from the SEC West will be in bowl games. Uh, let's just start with Ole Miss, and I hate I hate the the downward spiral that that Ole Miss has has had. I mean, you bring in you bring in a guy like Phil Longo, who I, I I'm telling you, man, a Phil Longo offense with Shea Patterson, AJ Brown, Van Jefferson, Martell Pack. D, DK Metcalf, and then you find that then you find a, 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 a tight end to go along with that. I mean, oh my God, this was a this was a dream situation for Ole Miss. Now, the dream is certainly becoming a nightmare in, in some cases because you don't know about the possible infractions that you're going to have. You don't know about about the about the stability of of the head coach right now uh, in Hugh Freeze, you don't know whether he whether he's going to get in some trouble. You don't know whether he's going to be there in the next couple of years. In in the next few years, actually, in the next year, I should say, this is what makes this this so difficult for everybody. Every game, oh, um, Hugh Freeze says. Every game that he that he's coaching this year is a, is a bowl game because there's no bowls for them this year. And I'm looking, you know, you lose a guy like Evan Ingram, you lose a guy like Chad Kelly, you lose you lose some other players on on the defense side of the ball, but you still got you you still got your kickers coming back. You still got got six or seven players that played last year on this team. You know, then you got some early enrollees like a Breon Dixon, Tony Gray, uh, Tony Gray, uh, who <clears throat> Tony Gray, Breon Dixon, who was part of that Grayson eight that um, transferred in to Grayson High School from other schools in in the uh, in the Gwinnett County area. Breon Dixon, you know, has always gone to Grayson High School. Um, Tony Gray was a guy who uh, was actually at Central Gwinnett the year before, um, and he won a state championship last year at Grayson High School alongside of Breon Dixon. So, so yeah, I mean, like you got some great guys there. Then a Braylon Sanders who who I, I've seen personally grow up um, from my area, um, Callaway High School, um, Lagrange, Georgia. Um, this is a guy who can ball. I mean, he can come in and he can play early as well. Braylon, Braylon Sanders, um, you put the ball in his hand, he's electric. So um, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how he does at Ole Miss. Now, Ole Miss, if they can, if they can find a running game, and if guys like Eric Swinney, guys like Jordan Wilkins. Can stay healthy. This could be, this could be, just a defense 
unlike this could be an offense unlike any other. This could be a record-setting offense, and I wish that I mean I wish that there was nothing going on with with Ole Miss in the football program because this Ole Miss team is ready. They're they're ready for the big time now. What they have to do is they gotta they gotta shore up things on the on the defense side of the ball. They've got to shore up things on the offense side of the ball as well. Find a running game. Uh, quarterback play, Shea Patterson is going to be paramount. You know he's got to be the guy. He's going to be the guy, so he has to play like the guy. And you know he got he they say he's quote unquote <laughs> he's quote unquote Manziel esque. At times, you know, got good feet, good arm, you know, 6'1", 6'2", about, about 200 pounds. I mean, so you're, you're going to see something different out of him. But, you know, since they're not making it to a bowl game, I mean, they're pretty much ineligible for everything. Um, just go from there. You know, I don't think that they'll – I don't think they'll win five games. I don't think that they'll win five games. So, um, just – I mean, just look at it from that standpoint. Now, we look at another team like like a Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Uh, I, I look at a Mississippi State team, and I think that this Mississippi State team is as good, if not better, than what people think. Um, it, it's it's sad, you know. It, it's it's really sad because. They're, they're going to be rebuilding this year. And for me, Mississippi State is that school that can, that can – if they can put it together, they will win eight, nine, ten games. And looking at their schedule, they have favorable schedule. The only hiccup that I see that they have on their schedule early in the season – is you got you've got big matchups with LSU, Georgia, and Auburn in the three week span, you know, and we'll talk about Auburn in just a second. But LSU, Georgia, and Auburn, you know, LSU, Georgia, Auburn, um, LSU, Auburn, and Alabama are are are, are, are those obvious front runners for for the SEC West championship. Mississippi State can. They can make a major statement if if they get a win over one of those two schools, and I think that they can get a win over, over one of those two West schools. You know, I think Ole Miss is definitely going to be a winnable game for them. I think Arkansas is definitely going to be a winnable game for them. But the gauntlet coming in September 16 at at LSU, September 23rd at Georgia. You know, LSU at home. September 16th, September 23rd at Georgia, September 30th at Auburn, that that does them no favors. That does them absolutely no favors at all. And the fact that they're playing 11 straight games, well, you got a bye week. (laughs) Luckily, you got a bye week. Um, You got a bye week before you go to before you go to um, BYU, and that's and yeah, BYU at home. So, I mean, you've got some. Woo, I I I can't say enough about what I think about 
about uh, Nick Fitzgerald and, and that Mississippi State team. I think Dan Mullen has got some great things going here uh, at Mississippi State. I think that, you know, once they get the depth back that they need, because they, they lost a lot of players last year, you know, when that Prescott left and, and a lot of those guys. You know, now, you know, you're – you got six players coming back on the offense side of the ball, including Nick Fitzgerald. You know, you're already breaking in a, a right tackle. You got a, a redshirt freshman in Cordarian Suggs, you know, a freshman in Cordarian Suggs, who is a junior child's transfer, who could probably who probably end up playing and playing early. Um, Stuart Reese is a guy who's a redshirt freshman who, you know, going to give you some good things, but this is this is a rebuilding time for Mississippi State. Mississippi State, I think, could win seven games. I think they can. I think they'll win six games. A lot of people have. A lot of people say six, seven games will be will be what they'll get. I think they'll win six games. I think they'll go. I think they'll go six and six. I think they'll definitely go three and five in, in the SEC. Um, in the SEC, I think that. I think Nick Fitzgerald's gonna he's gonna improve his passing his passing. Uh I think he's gonna go over three thousand yards. I think if he cleans up the that interception the interceptions that he had, I mean he had ten interceptions last year, twenty four touchdown passes. He cleans that up just a tad bit, he's gonna he's going to have a monster year. I think he'll have thirty five hundred yards passing. Um I think you can possibly get some Get some uh, rushing yards out of Nick Fitzgerald. You know you're going to get rushing yards out of Nick Fitzgerald. You know, almost 1,400 yards last year. Get a guy like Aris Williams going. You know, get him get him some more carries. Um, get him to that 800, 850 mark. Um, along with, you know, you got to replace a guy like Fred like like Ross, uh, Fred Ross, and that's going to be. That's going to be pretty a pretty difficult thing, but you got a guy like Donald Gray. You got another guy like Keith Mixon who who can catch the ball up, catch the ball, who played a little running back for you last year, but uh, caught the ball, caught a couple of touchdown passes last year. Um, Farai Green back, Jamal Cows is back, Gabe Miles, you know, who who's a guy who who can catch the ball as well. I mean. You got you got a lot of players that that you that's going to step up for you. You just got to find them. And I think with Mississippi State, you know the schedule doesn't do them many favors. But six wins, I think they can get six wins. I think they can get. I think they'll get into a bowl game. I think they'll get into a bowl game with six wins. I think they'll maybe even get in a bowl game with five wins. I mean, so this is a good. Like I said, this is a good Mississippi State team. Um, they're solid Mississippi State team that's still rebuilding. And once, once I think next year's a year for them. I really do think that next year's a year for them. Um, looking at looking looking on, moving on. We look at look at Texas A&M, and Texas A&M to me is is that school. They're an enigma. You know, at one point you had. Three five-star quarterbacks, three elite eleven quarterbacks. All three, all three of those guys are are going somewhere else. 
Um, but you can't really live a quarterback in Nick Sarkle, who <clears throat> was all set to go to was all set to go to to Oklahoma State. He um, changes his mind at the last minute, flips, decides to go to A and M. And I think A and M is probably going to be a good spot for him uh, with the uncertainty. That was that was around Kevin Sumlin after last year. I mean, the buyout that that was that was going to happen um, that didn't happen that almost happened that didn't happen because they couldn't get the they couldn't get the coach they wanted didn't couldn't get the coach they wanted um, in in Tom Herman who. <laughs> Obviously went to Texas. So um, when that happened, um, they decided to keep to keep what they had. You know, now you got a guy, you know, Jake Humanite, who I think will be the guy. Um, play some play some great ball. You know, in the time that that was inj- that um, injuries happened last year with the uh, other quarterback, with the other quarterbacks and. And um, I, I think, for me, you look at the Kubernetes, you look at Nick Starkle, you look at Kellen Mond, who comes in, who's also who also came in, and uh, who was there for spring. So, I mean, I think that you got you got a, you got a good core core group here of quarterbacks, and and um, you know Trevor Knight. You know, graduating this year. You know, Jay Kubinak playing playing you know, the last two regular season games because of the injuries to to um, to Trevor Knight. So I mean, you 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 lose you lose the experience that Trevor Knight brought to you over the last two years, but you also gain a guy like Jake Kubinak who who can play and play well. So I I like. I like A and M, but again, their schedule is pretty favorable. Um, you know, got home dates, got home dates against South Carolina, got a home date against Alabama, Mississippi State. You have Auburn at home, but then you have to go on the road to Ole Miss, and you have to go on the road to LSU. Those are not those are not gyms, especially you know with Ole Miss, and you don't know what what they're gonna you know what they're gonna bring out out of you. But you had the neutral site game in all, at uh, Jerry's World with Arkansas, which I think is probably one of the best rivalries in the SEC West right now. Um, I think Arkansas is going to be a much improved team as well. Um, for me, A&M is possibly A&M is a good is a good is a good school. I think they win. I think they win seven. I think they win seven games, but. I think that they, I think that they, they lose Mississippi State, which, which puts them under Mississippi State. Um, I really do. You know, now looking at, looking at Arkansas and Austin Allen coming back for a senior year. Um, got some good recruits come, got some good recruits coming in. Uh, Dalton Hyatt. Um, who's probably one of the most talented quarterbacks to come out of the state of Georgia, uh, state of Alabama last year, uh, four-star quarterback. 
uh, and for spring at um, at Arkansas, uh, played a little bit, played a little bit of spring ball there as well. Um, you look at look at what they brought in, and Chase Hayden was another another big time uh, guy. Uh, Dawson Wagner from the spring from Spring Grove, um, Illinois. Uh, Malik Barkley, who played at uh, Austin Westlake. Um, so, so you know, you know what you're going to get out of, out of the Texas guys. Jeremy Patton is a guy who, who, uh, was probably one of the best tight ends in the nation. Probably and got some great hands. He was, he was a junior college transfer who who was in for spring as well, and he got some very nice hands. I think he's going to end up playing a little bit. He's going to end up playing a, a, a lot. For, for these Arkansas Razorbacks, um, and then you know I hate this. I mean Raleigh Williams, you know who had to give up football um, during spring, uh, had a scary incident during spring where he had a stinger and uh, you know and there were concerns about him because of because of prior neck surgery. So it, it, it's it's a scary thing to say, but you know Raleigh Williams gave up football this year, so. You're gonna be looking at at other guys to step up, like a du- like a Duar Ray uh, Whaley and and uh, Michael Petway. You know, could move into could move into into the backfield. You no, know, he's he's a receiver, but I can see him moving into the backfield. He did play did play in the backfield in, in the backfield before. So I mean, I think that you, you can see them doing that as well. Uh, I, I I'm just I'm missing I'm Arkansas's missing just a little bit of something. I mean, you know, you got seven starters coming back, you got you got, you got five starters coming back on the defense side of the ball, and then you got both specialists coming back. You know, Arkansas's missing a little something. Is this the year Arkansas beats beats any of the top three? I, I yeah no. <laughs> I mean, no. No, 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 no. I mean you lose last year to Auburn by 53 points. You lose to Alabama by by 19. You know you lose LSU by 20 by four touchdowns. And then you know this is a, this is an Arkansas team that that I think is do I think that they're on the brink? Yeah, I think they're on the brink. But do I think that they can? Do I think that they'll be? Ready for a big time this year? No, give them next year. I, I say next year because next year you got you got these guys coming in next year that that's, that's going to play a little bit. You got got quarterback player, you got quarterback player, you got some other court, you got some other receivers that are going to come in and that are going to take hold in that offense. In that offense, to Dan Enos, who's a former uh, head coach at Central Michigan. Who did some great things at Central Michigan, especially with a guy by the name of Dan Lefevre, who had over thirteen thousand yards passing and over and over um, three thousand yards rushing over his career. So, I mean, this is a guy who who has a lot, of, who knows quarterbacks, you know, and he's a good thing for. He's a good. He's a good fit for Austin Allen uh, there. So he's a, that's a good good idea. You know, you know, it's a good thing that they're together. Now we look at we look at LSU, we look at LSU, and LSU 
you know, you got you got Danny Etling coming back, but you also got a kid by the name of Miles Brennan, um, who could possibly play early, possibly can you know, possibly can play early, possibly can, can just do things that that the other quarterbacks can't do. Uh, Danny Etling again, another guy who transferred out of a Big Ten school. You look at you look at Ed Ogeron, um, who's gonna look at Ed Ogeron, who he brought in Matt Canada, who who is a guy who who's, who uses a lot of. How can I put it? He uses a lot of a lot of pro style, a lot of West Coast. I mean, he's a multiple guy. He's a multiple guy. I mean, if you look at Florida State's offense, which is very, very complex, very, very sophisticated. If you look at what Matt Canada brings to that to that offense, this is this is what he does. I mean, he does a lot of pre snap um, movement around. He does. He does a lot of he does a lot of different things, and this will help Darius guys out in a way that that you would not understand. Darius guys could possibly, I mean, this is a guy who almost ran for almost thousand yards last year. He ran for thirteen hundred yards last year. I mean, in spite of Leonard Fournette being there, you know. He's a durable back. So you look at what Darius guys has. You look at what Leonard Fournette had. There's no comparison between the two of them. I actually like Darius guys better than I did Leonard Fournette. So you you see, he can do so many different things with him. And you know, losing losing Malachi Dupree, losing Trayvon Durrell, you know. DJ Clark is back. Drake Davis is back. I mean, you got some you got some guys right there that Danny Etlin can throw to, and if he can if he can get himself going, you know, I think that he could throw for over three thousand. I think he could throw for over three thousand yards if he need to. I think that he he's just he was just handcuffed in, in that in that offense that was just so old school, you know, in a way that Les Miles had so. Um, so I just I just really think that you know LSU LSU could win nine games, ten games if 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 everything rolls right. They've got they've got a very favorable schedule, and it's a it's a good it's a good schedule. Um, you know, a lot of your, a lot of your big games are on the road this year. Alabama, Ole Miss, Tennessee, but you, but you, you've got the luxury of having A and M at home. You have the luxury of having Auburn at home, but you have to go to Mississippi State again, and you have to go to Mississippi State in, in the beginning of the year. But the, the schedule is favorable for them because all of the SEC schedule is. Is back is is back schedule heavy. So, you know, is is that a good thing for LSU? For some teams, you know, probably probably so. For other teams, probably not. 
So um, I look at it from that standpoint. I think LSU could win nine games. I think they can win. I think they can win nine games. I think they'll be favored in all in in, in, in ten of those games. Um, I, I just I don't see them beating Auburn. I don't see them beating um, Alabama at, at all. So I mean, with that being said. And moving on to Alabama, <laughs> Alabama. Do you, I mean Auburn? Do you, do you think there's a quarterback controversy there? There could be. There could be. I think you know a guy like a guy like Sean White, who just don't know how to say no. And you look at incoming quarterback Jared Stidham, who was in for the spring. You look at Look at that. These are some really good players. These are some really good players coming in. Um, I, do I think that Jared Stidham gets, gets the starting nod? I think he does, but I also think that you'll see you'll see Sean White play a lot as well. Um, you know, with the new offense coordinator, Chip Lindsey, Chip Lindsey, who has a pedigree in the state of Alabama, uh, especially at the high school level, where he was the head coach of Spain Park, who, you know, he was the first coach, you know, in the history of Spain Park High School to lead Spain, to lead Hoover, to lead, um, lead him to wins over Hoover twice in the season. And also played the state championship game and lost to McGill Tulin, who has a quarterback who is going to be just a good one. Um, at the next level, he's at, um, I want to say he's at Alcorn now. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Auburn. I, I, I just a lot of people say that there's comparisons to that 2013 team. I, I think there's more of a comparison to the 2010 team than than the 2013 team. I mean, you got so many players coming back. Kyle Davis, who was injured. Uh, Kyle Davis, who played a lot last year. Nate Craig Myers, who played a lot last year. Eli Stove. Jason Smith, Ryan Davis, um, all played last year at Auburn, uh, at receiver at Auburn, caught passes, caught touchdown passes. Uh, Sal Canella, um, who was who was in last year, caught a couple passes, was more more or less a H back or or than a tight end last year. So you're gonna see the tight end position a lot more uh, this year, tight end H back this year. Um, Cameron Petway's back. Carryon Johnson is healthy again. So I mean, you're pretty much got you're pretty much got 15 players that you play on 15 in your in your in your two deep uh, on offense has come back. Got depth on both sides of the ball this year. You know, you got punter kickers. You got a weapon in Daniel Carlson. You got Trey Matthews coming back. Uh, Nick Ruffin. Stephen Roberts, you know those two safeties, Carlton Davis, who was just, who was just a man beast, John Broussard, who, who played a little bit last year. Uh, can he be that? Can he be that guy to go on the other side and play, and play in a nickel, or go back, you know, playing a nickel, or play, or play, um, or play safety? I mean, I can see, I can see John Broussard doing, doing a lot of things. Um, He's a big guy who can play, and he plays well. 
So, and Auburn's got a great schedule, got a favorable schedule. It's a tough schedule, but it's a favorable schedule. You know, you go to Clemson, the national champion, you go to the national champions. Then you have, you know, you have Georgia Southern at home, going to triple option. Um, I said uh, off to Clemson on the ninth. The 16th, you got Mercer at home. Then you go to Missouri. You have Mississippi State and Ole Miss at home back-to-back weeks. And then there's that gauntlet of games from September 23rd to November 11th. I mean, and it's a gauntlet. I mean, it's a real gauntlet. You go to Missouri, which is, like I, like I said earlier, it's a tough out. Uh, Mississippi State, you have them at home. Ole Miss, you have at home. You go to Ar- you go to LSU, you go to Arkansas. I mean, and then you have an off week. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, because you're, you're running you're running a murderous row of games. You know, in October, in October, September, September 30th to October 21st is going to be that litmus test for for Auburn and defensively. You know, you got you're gonna have five physical games. You know, five physical games. You know, from September 30th to October 21st before you have an off week, and then and then you go right back at it with with A and M at A and M. So this this is this is a big this is a big undertaking for Auburn, and again, you know, then you have Georgia at home and you have Alabama at home. That's those are big time matchups. Those are big big time matchups. And and do I think Auburn can win ten games? Yeah, I, I do. I do. I think they'll win ten games. I think nine is I think nine is, is the minimum that they'll get this year. But ten ten is not out of the realm. Eleven is not out of the realm. Um, do I think they might the playoffs this year? Possibly so. You know, we go on to Alabama. Alabama. Of course, you know what Alabama has coming back. You, you know, you got guys all over the field that have played last year. You know, you got, you know, they're young. They're going to be young this year. But, but what's really going to what's really going to happen? What's really going to happen is the the defensive side of the ball. Um, no matter how you put it, you've got guys in that two deep that have played that have played, but haven't been starters. So you look at Alabama. You look at what you have defensively. The the, the offense is going to carry the day, but defense is going to win the championships. Um, it's very interesting what what Nick Saban said in in, in his um in, in his press uh, time at media days, where he basically said he's going to lean on his offense. I think he said he thinks his offense is going to lead the day for him. Jalen Hurts is going to be a, a, a more of a vocal leader, and I, I think that he's absolutely right. I think that that's what's going to have to happen. Um, Jalen Hurts, you know, rushing for almost a thousand yards last year, um, and I, I want to say it was ten plus touchdowns. Um, him throwing the ball almost three thousand yards, you know. You know, three thousand yards, twenty-three touchdowns, nine interceptions. This is a guy who can who can ball who who's gonna ball out. He was the SEC freshman of the year. He was also the SEC. Um, was also the SEC player, offensive player of the year. 
first true freshman to do it since a guy by the name of Herschel Walker. So this is a guy, will he have that sophomore jinx? I, I, I don't know if he even knows the word jinx. This is a guy who can get it. Who I, I, I watched, I found old footage of him in high school. And he's doing a lot of the things that he did at Alabama last year. The same things that he did at, at at Channel View High School in the Houston area um, a few years ago. So, I mean, Zacosta's son, this is this is a guy, you know, they, they lost a lot. They lost a lot last year. The O.J. Howard, the Robert Fosters, you know, Reuben Foster's on the defense. You know, but but the key the key the key person on the on that team that we really need to talk about is Sean Deion Hamilton. You know, towards ACL late in the season, uh, shut it down, did not play in did not play in in the uh spring. Uh say he's at full speed, will be ready for the first game of the season. Or am I worried about it? No, not really. But you know, you got two attackers of all you got Matt Jones as quarterbacks, uh, you know, as backup quarterbacks. And then you got some guys coming in, like Roswell's uh, Xavier McKinney, who I, 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 just, I just put it this way. That kid, that kid could, possibly, could possibly play early if he would have came, if he would have came to school early. He, play, he probably could have fit right in at either safety or – Either safety or, or, or corner. That that's how good he is. He can play safety or corner at the next level. He will play safety or corner at the next level. Um, very high up on him. Mika Fitzpatrick, Ronnie Harrison. You know that that safety partnership back there, along with Tony Brown. You know Trayvon Diggs, and I was uh, Anthony Everett, Tony Brown, um, Trayvon Diggs, who. Who can who could possibly do some things as well? So, I mean, you just got some great you got some great players coming in. But my predictions is this: Alabama will win the West. Alabama will win the West. Georgia will win the East. I think Alabama beats Georgia thirty-eight twenty-eight in the in the SEC championship game. Uh, I think Alabama goes on to to the college football playoff. Uh, but do not count out Auburn. Do not count out LSU. They've got them. They've got to play both of them, and they on the road. They're they're at home to LSU on November fourth, and they're at they're at Auburn at um, Saturday after Thanksgiving. So, that being said, man, y'all have a great week. We're gonna we're gonna jump up out of here. Y'all have a great week, and and next week we're gonna be talking Big Ten. So y'all. Y'all listen up, man. Y'all have a great week. DesertStormRadio.com, your global DJ network. Brought to you by the world-famous DJ Clue. This one slow, make it easy to ride to. Yeah, 
You know, sometimes I look around and I think like, maybe I am out here on my own. Yeah. Gotta find something. You can't rescue me. Oh, I can't? You can't save me, no. But I can try, right? <laughs> yeah. But what then? You know that ain't so bad. Yeah, I told a girl I love her, you stand on your own. But you ain't gotta deal with these cameras alone. From the beginning, see, I learned how to manage my own. Became the boy, and then I turned to a man on my own. The lone wolf for the pack, moving through hella crap. Down to earth, so it's only natural I hold you down. Now you the one I picture when I roam around And the summer I'm falling for you is going down Yeah, staying stuck in this season of mine And I've been shining to the point that my reason is blind Think I'm the one, now that's just something I'm reaching to find Out of control, but yo, that shit that I still been denying Yeah, the light's down, but we staying up And looking back where I started, my only way is up Weight of the world, but I lifted before the weight is up And still myself the one and only that I came to trust Now that's some crazy luck yeah. Let it rock. But you want some soul shit. Yeah. And she just keeps saying. You can't rescue me. Oh, nah. You know what? Maybe you're right. What you gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought realistic Cause when it comes to my vision, man, only I can see it Said only I can reach it And I'm just praying by the time that I'm gone I'll be here in spirit so you can hear this Yeah, what these rappers stuck on the same product Tell them forget it, ain't hard to tell that they ain't got it Simple and plain, I'ma leave this world with my name on it Knowing it's easy to hate the plane when you ain't on it Riding, whipping through the horizon My time and it's something better than it's ever been They call me Wolfie from how I'm plying on hella biz Hip-hop's alive and I'm here to show you the evidence Back to the wall where I started back in the day I was pushing maximum effort and pulling minimum weight Trying to show the all those around me that I can stand on my own Now I swear I'm afraid of nothing, I'm screaming after the phone While I'm busy pulling my fam up an animal How I ran up the standards of how we live it. it's funny They pull the camera up, the picture how I'ma get it When years I've been in my zone, and you just how I started by killing this on my own My word is my bond And I'm just out on my own DesertStormRadio.com Your global DJ network Brought to you by the world famous DJ Clue Clue